0: Well Merry Christmas Eve everyone it's good to see everybody you know just treat it like we're in a living room and we're just kind of sitting around but be expectant today because you know in in sometimes in Christianity and in religious circles we think well okay you know this is the time when we go to church we pay our dues and you know and all this other stuff but you know today the Bible is really clear that Jesus himself is here and he's gonna work with and confirm his word with signs following. It's very clear that the mighty Holy Spirit of God is here and he brings an anointing into this place. The anointing, if you study this in the Bible, it changes people, places, and things. And so the anointing that's upon the word of God, which comes from the Holy Spirit, will lift a burden off of you today. It'll destroy lies that the enemy's you know, built in your life over time. It'll destroy yokes of bondage. So expect freedom. You know, when you come to church, expect to be equipped to go walk out God's plan for your life, but expect to just taste and experience the freedom that God has brought. You know, as I've really thought about this whole Christmas season, you know, last year we really went into the story itself because. You know, the world doesn't really take us seriously a lot of times as Christians because we do things religiously. You know, we have wise men coming to Bethlehem to, to a, a cave, or, or actually, they come to a stable, right, made of wood. But you have no idea that wood was only for kings and very wealthy people. They didn't have a lot of wood back there. Go to Jerusalem. It's called Jerusalem stone. Every... Every house, every building will have it, right? It's all stone there. And so, and, and the little manger, we've got this little wooden manger. No, it was, it was, it was a cave, and it was chiseled out, this trough where, where animals would feed and drink from. And that was where Jesus was laid. You know, we, we have wise men coming to this cave, and they didn't show up at the cave. They showed up a couple years later. And then it's funny because we have three of them, and, and they each have these little tiny boxes, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Oh, here, Jesus, let me give you, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Magi, which, which we have no idea of. I'm like some of the most powerful people on the planet. Do you know Herod was freaked out when they came? Rome, which conquered the known world, history tells us when Magi went to Rome, Caesar shook. Because although they had conquered the known world, they were losing battles in the east. Right? These guys would have traveled probably with about a thousand people. This, this, we don't know. Do you know why they had three? Because that's what would fit on a canvas when we painted it. (laughs) No, I'm serious. There could have been more. Yeah, and we thought, well, of course, there's three because gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But you know, they would have brought jewels, gold, which would have funded that family's whole life when they had to flee into Egypt because Joseph could not have worked. You know, in the same way that God will fund you down here, Amen. according to His riches and glory, right? So we 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 have these little religious we have these little religious things, but we cannot lose sight of the fact. That we are talking about the one true God right there are not many ways to God there's only one and his name is Jesus right many religions in the world they will tell you there's many ways to God truth is what you think it is and that's all a lie Jesus said I am the way I am the truth I am the life God said this listen I am God, and there is none like me. And then he tells the difference between our God and every other thought of God in the world today. He says, I'm the God that can stand at the beginning and tell you what's going to happen. Do you know the only religion? This is the only book on the planet that has never been wrong with every prophecy. Everything we're seeing in the world today, it's kind of crazy, we'd look at Bible prophecy and go, well, you know, I think this could happen based on what we're seeing. We don't say that anymore. We're like, it's happening, right? This God who sent his son, Jesus, who is God, he is the creator of all things, came to this earth for one purpose, and that was to die for you and me, to die in our place so that we could know him and experience his life. So that we can be what the Bible calls, in John 3.16 it says born again, but the real term means born from above. You become a child of God. So we're not talking today about a little religious thing, we're talking about God's gift of life for you and I. He sent Jesus and those who would choose to follow him, invite him into their life and follow him, man, they could experience his life. It's amazing. John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him, and this word believe means I believe it so strongly that I will commit my life to walking this out. So believing has within it action. If you believe Jesus is Lord today, but there's no action in your life, I wonder if you really have been born again right and and we got to get that right can you really say that on a Christmas Eve service yes right because we need to receive that gift so that we can live his life right the Bible says that the thief there's a thief in this world why do bad things happen to good people don't read all the books it's real simple there is an enemy here right and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10 10 says that. But, Jesus said, but I am come that they, talking about us, may have life. And this word life, he could have used the word like suke in the Greek, which means this, so that you could have a natural, wonderful life. But he didn't use that word, he used the word zoe. What that word means in the Greek is so that you can have the same quality essence of life as god has he came to give you his life and you could see i grew up in a denomination and i thought this is awesome god loves me so much and and man i'm going to really walk into all of this eternal life is going to start when i go to heaven but then i got in the word of god and i realized no 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 god wants to invade my life here and as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, my life on this earth, I will fear no evil because he's with me. His rod and his staff will comfort me, right? He'll make me lie down in green pastures. He'll lead me beside still waters in the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. The Bible says he'll anoint my head with oil so that my cup runs over, right? And then surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell and abide, settle down and remain in the presence of God forever. So I found out that heaven, days of heaven, I'm to have them here. Eternal life starts right now. So God wants to invade every area of your life and literally turn it and make it look like the quality of life that he has. So he's a healer. He's a provider. For all, right? For all that will call upon his name, you could be saved. You could be healed. You could be made free, right? Addictions falling off. Depression falling off. Everything the Bible says must bow to the name of Jesus. So we should talk about that a little bit today, don't you think? Let's do that. Hallelujah. That was like going to a movie. That was the intro. There we go. So Jesus came that I might know... Him, that I might know the Father, that I might have an intimate relationship with God who's now my dad. I'm born from above, right? That is amazing to me that God loved man so much that he chose to come. And, and we see how, in, how incredibly awful sin is because he had, there was no other way to do it The wages of sin is death. So, you know, Pastor Dave even said this, that God, he leads by example. Right? So Jesus came and laid down his life so that we can have his life. And we have to lay down our life to embrace his life. Right? So it's it's the great exchange. Galatians chapter 4, in verse 4, says this. But when the fullness of time was come, and you know, when you go over to Greece and in that area, uh, I mean, it's amazing. Rome had conquered the known world, so literally there was a road system that went everywhere and, and all went all through Jerusalem. So there was a way for people to travel. There was a language now. Uh, what, what was his name? Oh, gosh, something the great. Alexander the Great, wow. Wow. Yikes. Alexander the Great, he not only was a great conqueror, but he promoted this Greek thought. So there was one language everywhere. And this is what this is talking about. In the fullness, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Why? Verse 5 to redeem them that were under the law. See, all of us were under the law. The Old Testament, there was a law that was given. And when the law was given, now man could know that he needed a savior. We were all born under that. We were all born literally under the law. We were spiritually dead. There was no possible way we could ever be good enough to be accepted by God. Think about that. If you talk to people, hey, if you were to die today, why would God let you into heaven? What's the number one thing that they would say? Well, I'm a good person, but but God's standard, it's not good. It's perfect. And man, we could never, the whole Old Testament was to point to Jesus and say, you need a savior. You can't be made righteous and be born of God by your own works. It's all through faith. You simply just have to believe it. It is a gift of God, right? It says, to redeem them that were under the law, why, that we might receive the adoption of sons. The coming of age. See, adoption, and what this is talking about in the Middle, in the middle East at the time of Jesus, this means a coming to age. You're an actual son. You are now a coming of age son of God. There's no, you don't have any step-parents. It's you are of God, little children, right? And because your sons, look at this, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. So now when when you receive him, all of us that have received him, now the Holy Spirit of God, when you invite Jesus to be your Lord, the Holy Spirit of God comes into you Takes out the dead spirit man that you were, and that man is gone forever. There is no residual of him. The only thing you still have to do is renew your mind, right? But when when he does that, he puts a brand new spirit. You are literally born again. You are a new creature, the Bible says, one that's never existed before. Then the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells in you. How long will he dwell in you? The Bible says forever. And the first thing he does is he sheds the unconditional agape, is the Greek word, love of God in your heart. Why? So that you can know that you know that you know that God loves you unconditionally. That God loves you. It's not based on your behavior. It's based on the behavior of his son. Because we are able to love him, the Bible says, because he first loved us. We're able to love others do good to those that despitefully use us love unconditionally why because that love is in my heart all i got to do is learn how to yield to it it's amazing how i mean i have learned over the years there's times in my life where i just want to you know my flesh is i'm in a situation and i i could just the love of god just reaches up and constrains me and grabs me to where i'm for a while i was just kind of looking going I want to choke the life out of this person, but all I want to do is love them. That's weird. Why can't I feel this anger? I couldn't feel anger. All I felt was love. That's the love of God. It reaches, it controls you because the love of God is, is his personality. It's who he is. It brings freedom into your life. And the spirit of his son into our hearts, which caused us to, to cry out, Abba, Father, Abba, Daddy, that's intimate, right? Actually, the word Father, guess what it means too? Daddy. Where our hearts cry, Daddy, Daddy. Why, why two times? It's In the Greek, it's progressive. In other words, my intimacy of knowing how, this, how intimate this relationship is will grow. My whole life which should be one day after another, me growing in my awareness of how much God loves me, of how much I can love him, of how I could share his love with everybody I meet, right? That's what this is talking about. And it says in verse 7, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then you are an heir of God Through Christ, an heir. Well, the Bible's real clear. We don't have time today to get into it. I mean, we're only having one service. We could go three hours, but you guys probably have a couple things to do, right? Literally, yeah, don't tempt me. But anyway, you know, but anyway, if you look at this, it's, you're an heir of God. Well, what did Jesus, what did he, what did he inherit? Through his redemptive work. Everything. He said, everything that the Father has is mine. And guess what? You are an heir, in other words, a fellow heir with Christ. So in other words, everything he has is yours. So the Bible says in another place, it says that God has sent forth his spirit into our hearts so that we can freely know those things that God has given us. Because there's, there, the, the word gospel means a, a message that's too good to be true. Right, So that we can know that if sickness and disease illegally attacks our body, that we can believe him and the healing power of God will get it out of our body. That we don't have to die, but we could live on the earth long and strong in the midst of sickness and disease. That we could walk free from poverty and lack. Well, that upsets religious people, but we're not religious around here, Right? No, no, call me anything. Don't call me religious. The very word means to bind. Jesus came to make us free. Right? Free. Not free to just live any way we want. Why would we want to do that? Right? Free to experience his life. Amen. 1 John chapter 3 in verse 8 says this. For this purpose... You kind of, kind of down in the middle of this verse. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested or was shown forth that he might destroy the works of the devil. Well, what are the works of the devil? Well, this this word destroy will kind of let you into this a little bit. This Greek word means to loose. He looses you from what Satan has tried to do in your life. He releases you, from what Satan has tried to bind you with. This word also means to put an end to. In other words, Jesus came to put an end to everything that Satan would try to bind you with. It means to remove, to put off. It literally means to unbind. Jesus came to unbind you. This is why Jesus is the word of God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. His Word, as you renew your mind, will will unbind and renovate your thinking so that you can walk in the freedom whereby Christ has made you free. It also means to release from being bound, to untie, to loosen anyone that's been tied, and it literally means to dissolve. The anointing doesn't break the yoke. It destroys it. It dissolves it. So in Matthew chapter 20, in verse 28, it says another thing about Jesus. It says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served. But why did he come? To serve. This word serve means to wait upon. Do you know that God, has, he, he loves you And he wants to come into your life and turn your life right side up. And it says he came also to give his life as a ransom. This word means an atonement for many. What is that that word here? Ransom or atonement. It means to release from slavery or captivity because a payment was paid. What was the payment? his very life, right? That's why he came. You know, people in the world will say, wait a minute, I don't need to be released. I'm not a slave. I live my own life. Do you know there's no such thing as a human being that lives their own life? You know, good people don't go to heaven, right? Bad people don't go to hell. I'm so grateful for that, by the way. Really, really grateful, because I, you know, there's been evidence in my life that I wasn't really that good. I'm so glad that that's true. You got to be born again. You got to have the sins wiped out, right? And that's what Jesus did. So let's look at this Christmas story a little bit today. Go to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. You guys doing okay? Hallelujah. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, And in the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Verse 27 again, to a virgin espoused to a man. So the archangel Gabriel comes to this girl. She's probably 13 years old, maybe 14 at the most could be as young as 12, right in that area, and he comes to her. Notice it keeps saying a virgin. Actually, in the Greek language, it's the virgin, the only one. Right? That, and, and, and he says, let me, well, let me read it again. Who's, who, I'm sorry, to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Twice in verse 27... Mary is called the Virgin. I think the Holy Spirit's trying to get something to us there. In Matthew chapter 1, you could hold your finger here, but actually just stay in Luke. I'm just going to read Matthew 1.23. They'll put it up on the screen. It says here, Behold, a virgin, or in the literal Greek, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. That's a little vague. Emmanuel actually means God with us in a new way. Because he's not only with us, he, he could be in us, right? In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, it says this Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. So God's gonna give the world a sign. Behold, a virgin. It, that word virgin is Halma. It means the only virgin ever shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That was prophesied 800 years before Jesus was born, right? Again, Mary was probably 12 to 14 years old, she was espoused. So that's kind of like an engagement. It was a year-long thing, okay? They, when, a, when a woman and a man would be espoused, when a man would, they would come to enter this whole Galilean wedding thing, what would happen is they would enter a legal agreement at that time when they got engaged or espoused. To break off, if, if either one of them decided to break this off, they would literally have to go through a divorce process even though the marriage had not been consummated yet that during that espousal period it was a very serious time during the year the man and the woman would prepare for marriage right the espoused process would end a year later right it would be consummated one year later after the marriage ceremony so now verse 28 and the angel Now, from verse, if you jump back to verse 9, you'll know that the angel was Gabriel. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at the saying. I think that's amazing. Most people are troubled at the sight of an angel. She was kind of troubled at the saying. And cast in her mind... What manner of salutation this should be. Think about this. She's this young girl. Knowing the way she reacted, she, was, she didn't go to school like, the, like girls didn't go to school in the region of the Galilee. They just worked. They worked in their home and grew up. It was only the males that went in to school, right? It was a little different back then. Man, Jesus came and liberated women, right? He's all about that. But this little girl, no doubt, lived in Scripture and loved God and served God with all of her heart, her whole life, her whole young life. So she's casting in her mind, I mean, think about this, this angel is saying, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. She's going, what in the world? I'm just Mary. Right? Isn't it amazing how God talks about us? right? So she cast in her mind what, what does this mean? Verse 30 and the angel said to her fear not Mary for you found favor with God and behold now behold is a little vague. It, He, you know he didn't just go and behold you know all no this Greek word means he's like and the angel said unto her fear not Mary for you found favor with God wow and, and Mary, that's, that's amazing. That's, that's really amazing that you found favor with God, right? It's kind of blowing his mind as an angel, right? Thou shalt conceive in your womb and bring forth the Son and shall call his name Jesus, Savior, Deliverer. That's what that means. Verse 32, and he shall be great and, he shall, be call, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Wow. Sounds a lot like Isaiah chapter 9 in verse 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders." See the shoulder is where you would symbolically where you would carry the burden of something. The government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty god right the everlasting father the prince of peace of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Aren't you amazed as a child of God when I read that I'm sitting here going You mean, I mean, I've experienced a taste of the peace of God. It's overwhelming. You could live on this forever. And yet God is saying the increase of his peace will never end. A million years from now, I'm going to be experiencing peace like I've never even imagined. Wow. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment, with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. So see, Jesus also came to bring the government of God to this earth, the government that Adam gave up. We call it the kingdom of God, which will never, ever decrease. It will keep increasing until all the kingdoms of this world someday after the tribulation period right is over all of them all the kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our god wow so luke chapter 1 verse 34 let's jump over there then said mary to the angel how shall this be seeing i know not a man she just was asking for clarification and the angel answered and said unto her he answers her now think about this you're 12 13 14 so so gabriel's going to answer this well Mary, no big deal. The Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. She's probably thinking the holy what? Right? And the power of the highest is going to overshadow you. Now, she's probably thinking of some Old Testament stories where the power of God was manifested, and she's thinking, whoa, it's going to oversh- the power of Almighty God is going to overshadow me. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. See, Jesus was not born of the seed of Joseph because he couldn't be because Joseph's seed was tainted. Jesus would have been born spiritually dead because conception comes from the Father. So that's why Jesus was holy. He was without sin he was not born spiritually dead right he came into this earth realm legally why so that he could be the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world Wow so it says here in verse 36 now here's the angel Gabriel this is why it's so important to be planted in a church we get everything together you hear me say that over and over look at what he says He says, oh, by the way, Mary, let me give you another example of how good God is. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her own age. Now, Mary would have known that her cousin and her husband were believing God their whole life and they never could have kids. So this would have been like, wow, right? And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Do you see how God was trying to help Mary? Because, see, God can't do anything on this earth without a man, male or female. So, so literally, Gabriel's giving her an example and saying to her, the word of God, with God, nothing is impossible, Mary. So just because you haven't known a man, you can still have a son. But she could not have had a son Unless she believed. Believed something in her heart and spoke it out of her mouth. That baby would have never been able to be conceived. In the same way, you and I could never be born again. We could never receive anything from God apart from faith. So God always helps us. And Mary said, look at this. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. She's like, I'm all in. I believe it. I don't understand it. You don't have to understand it to believe it, Amen. right? People say whenever you talk to them, well, you know, I just don't, I don't know that I believe this. What they're saying is, I'm not, I'm not bowing my life to anybody. That's just an excuse that will cause many people to be lost forever and go to a place that God never intended them to go. Yes, hell is real. It was not made for man. It was made for the devil and his angels. And because a person, when there's no middle ground. You're either born into the kingdom of God or Satan's your father. And you'll go and be with him forever. Yikes. Who would want that? Right? And this is why the Bible says that when a person makes a decision not to glorify God as God and they're not thankful... They're given over to their vain imaginations and their foolish heart is darkened. The Bible says that Satan can only blind the minds of people that choose to believe not. Believing is simply a choice. It's interesting. And she says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. That when she said that, the angel departed from her. The Holy Spirit literally came upon her after she received the word of God by speaking. You're going to receive everything that God's given you as you receive it by speaking. Father, your word says you sent your word and healed me, that Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried in my pain. I don't understand how you can do this, but be it unto me, right? As you said, I receive it. Right? That's how, we, that's how we receive everything. So now let's jump to Luke chapter 2 in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world, which means the whole Roman Empire, should be taxed. This word taxed means should be registered. So in other words, what they were doing, they would take a census, and this is in the history books, secular history books, A census was taken, why? So that Rome could determine how many taxes could be collected for the empire. So they made all the Jewish people go back to their hometown to be registered. And the taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And some people who who don't study very much have said, well, see, that's a contradiction in the Bible because... Cyrenius was governor when there wasn't a census. Yeah, but if you just actually study instead of jumping on this bandwagon, you realize that Cyrenius served two terms. And during, one, during another term, there was a census. Right? The Bible's always gonna be right. Right? So verse three, And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. See, it's real interesting. In Micah, look at this, but thou Bethlehem Ephrata. Micah the prophet prophesied this 400 years before Jesus was born. And he said, but thou Bethlehem Ephrata. Now, when, when this was prophesied, there was no Bethlehem Ephrata yet. There was only a Bethlehem Zebulun. Right? But again, the word of God is always correct. Amen. Right? It says here, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, who's going forth have been from old, from everlasting. Wow. See, Jesus was not born out of humanity. He was born into it. He lived way before. He came to a planet that he created, right? So this is real interesting in this story because Mary was from a town called Sepphoris, right? Joseph's family was from Nazareth, which was very close to Sepphoris, There would have never been any natural reason for Joseph or Mary to go to Bethlehem, a little town of about 2,000 people. It was like a small village. They would have never went there. In other words, the Roman decree was the only reason that Joseph went to Bethlehem. In other words, God moved the whole world To get his people in the right place in the same way God is working in your life And if you'll work with him, he will always get you In the right place at the right time doing the right thing with the right heart You know God Those situations in your life right now. Do you know God's working? And if you'll follow him you'll see wow You'll get to a point where you're just walking around going wow that this just worked out because he works i love that about this story so let's keep going verse 6 and it was so that while they were there the days were accomplished that she should be delivered i bet that was a fun trip okay mary sit on a donkey we're gonna go across rocky ground boom 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 right i wonder how many times she had to go to the bathroom right all you women are going, you have no idea, <laughs> right? My child was inside me kicking my bladder, going, wow, right? So this was not an easy trip. The, ki- the time came for her to be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son. That's interesting, right? In Matthew, it tells the names of all of Jesus' brothers. Right. And it says he had sisters, so that means at least two. The kind of rocks, that could rock some catholic people that think that she was always a virgin right i heard a guy who taught in catholic seminary break that down it was actually hilarious i'm going you really believe that wow right because we're all jesus's brothers and sisters well yeah but this look at the greek words there it's real simple you know mary had other kids he jesus was from a big family right it says, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So if you could imagine, they went to an inn, there's no room. They didn't beg the innkeeper to let them stay in his little wooden stable that's out back because there wasn't one. What they did, in the, and if you've ever been to Bethlehem, there's caves all over, and those caves were where they would take animals at night for safety, and they would take, and they would carve out of a rock, mangers, so they were feeding troughs to feed the animals. So Joseph and Mary literally had nowhere to go, so they went into one of these caves. They would have not been alone. There would have been a lot of other people that, why, I mean, think about it. Everybody who was of the lineage of David would have had to go to Bethlehem, a little village of 2,000 people, right? Could you imagine going to a town of 2,000 people in, in Nebraska somewhere or in Iowa? How many rooms do you think there would be there? You wouldn't go into town and see this gigantic Marriott with several hundred rooms, right? Nope, right? Maybe a Motel 6, right? Maybe just some independent thing with a few rooms, so there was a lot of people there that had nowhere to lay, so they went to the caves. So wouldn't that be fun for you ladies, giving birth? One friend of mine in California said, man, after giving birth, I think I could walk down the street naked, because <laughs> you know, you're in there, women are in there, and there's dying. <laughs> wow, right? So so no, that's the, Mary, here's Mary, she's giving birth to Jesus. There was no, ha, ah, right? It was, it was kind of... It was pretty interesting, probably. Loud animals, probably didn't smell really good, right? All this stuff, that's where Jesus was born. Isn't that amazing? The creator of all things chose to be born this way. Wow. You fast forward to Palm Sunday, when literally this mathematical prophecy that came literally so much time to the day when Jesus... The prince was going to be revealed to Israel when a king would come, they would normally be on the tallest horse, not Jesus, he was riding a donkey, right? And the Bible said he was meek, that means, that literally that Greek word means ultimate power under perfect control, wow, so here he was, they wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So you got to realize he, they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. So if you look at the shepherds in this area and we know this from history, we also know this from the book of Micah, these shepherds were Levitical shepherds. They were they worked for the temple. And they were in charge, so see during the Passover A wealthy person would would have enough to where they can raise a spotless lamb. I mean, think about that. The lamb could have no mark on it. So wealthy people would have enough manpower to go, okay, you guys are in charge of the lamb. That means from the time they come out of the womb, you don't let them hit the ground. You hold them and pull them out of the mother, and you wrap them. You wrap their feet in, in swaddling clothes so because if they step and their foot gets a mark on it they're disqualified right so rich people they would they'd pull them out then they would examine them and if they were spotless they'd wrap them in swaddling clothes to protect them from getting a cut or a scratch or anything and they would have to watch them their whole life until they were sacrificed but if you weren't wealthy like that you could come to the temple and you could buy a spotless lamb. And that's what these shepherds would have been watching. They were Levitical shepherds. They, when that angel came to them and talked to them, they knew what they were looking for. It's kind of interesting, right? When a lamb was being born, the Levitical shepherds would assist with the birth as the lamb could not touch the ground until they were cleaned and examined thoroughly. If they found a spot on the lamb or a physical defect, they would put the lamb on the ground and so it could mix with all the other lambs. If the lamb was spotless or, and had no physical defect, it was then their job to ensure that it did not get hurt in any way and possibly get a blemish. What is considered a blemish? A small cut, a wound, a bruise. I mean, a bruise. Have you ever been around little kids? right? I mean, they run into everything. And these are humans. You could imagine a baby lamb, not the brightest animal on the planet, right? Right? And, and so they would have to watch them until they would be sacrificed. Why? Because Jesus was the spotless lamb. This was all to show, see, Jesus had to be a perfect sacrifice for you to be made righteous. Because he had to take all of your sin and give you all of his righteousness. He had to be perfect. They would wrap the newborn's feet in swaddling clothes and keep their this would keep their feet from getting cut because it's all rocks over there. So now, well, let's look at 1 Peter. I could keep going. I would love to talk about when Jesus was two years old, the magi and all this stuff, but we don't have time for that today. But let's look, let's focus on the birth, the birth of Jesus. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 says this. Look at this. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. But you were redeemed. This word redeemed means a ransom was paid, the very blood and life of God. So that you could be taken out, we learn, from the delegated influence of darkness out of Satan's kingdom and put into the kingdom of God. It says here, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Right? Hallelujah. Jesus, in other words, appears as the Lamb of God. You know, it's so funny because we sing songs like Silent Night. Oh, it was such a silent night. It was such a holy night. Are you kidding me? That was not a silent night. I mean, there's animals freaking out, doing stuff. There's all these other travelers in there. Could be some rough people, right? Joseph's over here trying to create some privacy for his wife who, I mean, Silent night, have any of you women given birth? And you just laid there in total peace as, as you hit a contraction. No, you grabbed your husband and said, if you ever touch me again, right? No, I'm just teasing, I'm teasing. I didn't, I shouldn't go there. Anyway, now you're awake. Right? I'm like, here, honey, can I give you an ice chip? Wow. You know? Jeanette, I've never heard her yell. But she would just look at me like, are you kidding me? A nice chip, right? <laughs> verse 8, Luke chapter, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Look at this, and they were in the same country. I've lost you guys now, right? <laughs> they were in the same, we got to have fun in church. They were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. So they were, they were these Levitical shepherds watching these sacrificial lambs. Verse 9, and lo, an angel of the Lord came upon them. Think about that. They're just, they're out in the desert, kind of. There's no lights. It's dark, and all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Now, in the Greek language, if you study this, it would be like a beam of light just engulfed them. And they are in this, in the middle of darkness, they're in this bright light, And they're seeing angels. And they were sore afraid. In English, they were completely freaked out. Right? And and what does the angel say? What they always say, fear not. And then, again, behold. Wow, this is amazing. I mean, these angels are going, this is just, this whole thing is amazing. God is sending his son. They know the glory that Jesus walked in. And he's sending them to a cave to be put in a rock feeding trough. Right? Wow, this is amazing. Said, they said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. In other words, Christ the Lord, that what, what they heard is the anointed one, the Messiah, is being born today. The one that they have been waiting for forever is being born today. Verse 12, And this shall be a sign unto you. In other words, in the Greek language, the angel's going, Now this is going to be a specific sign just for you so that you will know this is the Messiah. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger see the angel was saying to them listen you guys have been watching over the sacrificial lambs now i want you to go see the sacrificial lamb and you're going to know him See, God is a revealer. He wanted them to know. In the same way, he wants you to know he is everything that he said he is. Don't buy the religious view that God blesses some and not others and God's kind of pulling strings to cause things to happen. No, he's good all the time. He loves. He's for you today. Right? Verse 13, and suddenly... So the angel says this to them, they're in this beam of light, and if that wasn't enough, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. Now that's a little, that sounds a little cute, but this, this Greek phrase, heavenly host, means a multitude of angelic armies, a multitude. Do you think God has any small armies? We're talking, we don't even know how the whole sky would have been filled with angelic beings. Wow. And it says, what were they doing? They were praising God and they were saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. They were literally praising God because now humankind has been forever changed. Jesus is now coming. He's coming into humanity. The God of heaven, the Messiah is coming to save people. Wow. The heavenly angelic armies, what are they doing? They're showing up to honor and salute their commander Jesus. Now there's a real good possibility there's in 1st Timothy we'll read this scripture there's a real good possibility that this could be the first time that angelic beings could have looked into the face of God. It's interesting. 1 Timothy chapter... Sorry, I get... Boy, this stirs me. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says this. You could stay there in Luke, but he'll put it up on the screen. 1 Timothy 3 16 It says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. In other words, this is the mystery. God became visible in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. And then this word, seen of angels. This word seen literally means to delightfully view It gives the picture of a scrutinizing look, like these angels would have just been looking, like, wow, we're seeing something for the first time. It it literally means to look with the intent to examine, to fully view, to look with the intent to experience. And that's why we think there's a possibility that this might have been the first time that they'd ever actually experienced the face of God in this little baby. See, Jesus' birth in Bethlehem was not his beginning. It was his manifestation. It's when he was shown to the earth. Verse 15, "...and it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found. This means they searched and found. So they're probably going from cave to cave. Hey, is there a baby in a manger in swaddling clothes? Nope, let's go to the next one. And they searched and then they found him. Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Wow, see there's many caves, but they found the one. Verse 17, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They, they, they went and told everybody, hey, the Messiah is here. Just like this message, when it goes off in your heart, you will have to go tell somebody, listen, Jesus has come, he came, he died for your sins. You can know God. You can have a new life. That's the same thing, right? And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I love this. She pondered them in her heart. This this word ponder means she laid them literally in chronological order. See, when she told in Ephesus she would have told this story in chronological order to Luke who wrote this book. She pondered all this stuff. So, I want to close with reading a couple scriptures in Philippians. Because these verses describe the incarnation where the God of heaven took upon himself flesh. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6. Just a couple more minutes. It says this, who being in the form, the outward form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. See, before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, his outward form, he was God, God the Son. Jesus possessed all the attributes of God, all the attributes of the Godhead, power, glory, splendor, The angels, apparently, there's a good chance they couldn't even look into his face because of the glory. Humans could never exist in his presence because the glory would be, it would destroy a human body. Verse seven, but made himself of no reputation. That's a little vague in the King James. It literally means, that word reputation means he made himself or he emptied himself. He vacated himself. He evacuated, and it literally means to shed. So in other words, Jesus in heaven, he shed off all of his outward glory as God. Okay, that's what this is talking about. In other words, God did something to change his form. Why? Because it was impossible for man to see God. He had to remove his outward splendor, power, and glory that flesh could never endure. God reached into the physical world that he had made, seized it, and took it upon himself. God literally changed his form. To do this, he first had to shed his former attributes. Then he reclothed himself in a new form, in flesh. He was born. See, Jesus lived on the earth as a man anointed by God. He didn't live on the earth as God because God would not have needed to be anointed. Right? And the Bible says, it says here, in the form of a servant. See, this word servant in the Greek literally means one who does the bidding of his owner. One whose principal task is to fulfill the desires of his master. Wow. Wow. The servant's entire existence was to fulfill and serve the master, right? It literally gives you a picture of the servant's will is completely engulfed by the master's will. That was Jesus. Verse 8, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. This Greek word, obedient, literally means he came to be under the command or under the authority of the Father. In other words, he became obedient. He listened to the Father all the way to death. And then it says, even the death of the cross. Wow. These Greek words are amazing because it says in being found in fashion as a man. Fashion. This Greek word literally describes a king who wants, loves his people and wants to be with them, but he can't, he could never be with them intimately because if he walked out in his kingly splendor, they would treat him a certain way. So he would take and put up upon himself, he would take off all his kingly clothes and put on just average clothes so that he could walk and be among his people. That's what Jesus did. Verse nine, wherefore... Or you could say this, on account of all of this, because of this, God hath highly exalted him and has given him a name above every name. Jesus is given a name, why? For the purpose of everything having to bow to his name. Is poverty messing with your life? It's got to bow to the name of Jesus. Is lack messing? Because he redeemed you from the curse of the law, the curse of poverty and lack. Is sickness? Cancer has to bow to the name of Jesus. Satan has to bow to the name of Jesus. Alcoholism, drug abuse, depression, anxiety, fear, everything bows, guilt, shame, condemnation. These names mess with us. Don't buy the lie when you were a little kid, the little song we used to sing, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Names will destroy you, right? But Jesus, every name has to bow to his name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Now this word bow literally means to bend the knee in honor or respect. In other words, do you realize every human being who has ever lived, those that have cursed God their whole life, every one of them will literally by their own choice, most at the white throne judgment, where they're judged for their sins that Jesus paid for. It's going to be a horrible day before they're lost forever, but they will bow their knee in honor. They'll know that God did everything he can do to save them. Wherefore, God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things. This Greek phrase would be of things or beings in heaven, of things or beings in earth, and of things or beings under the earth. So, everybody in heaven, everybody that's on the planet right now, and everybody who's in the planet you die without christ you're in the planet that's not a place any i want anybody to go in other words jesus is above all he conquers and he changes everything so i'll close with verse 11 and that every tongue should confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father